Isn't God good? Amen. I know myself personally, sometimes I don't always appreciate or I, I forget where I came from. As many years go by and we get uh, degrees and we accomplish things and we, we get a little dignified, we forget we were nothing. God dug us out of a pit. Amen. We were lost, undone, heading to hell. I would have been a degenerate gamble. I would have been in some jail cell. I, would have been, I could have been dead. I don't know where I'd be right now if it wasn't for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and his love for me. And his love for you this morning. Amen. Don't ever forget what Jesus has done. Amen. Well, this morning I want to introduce to you a missionary couple that we have supported uh, around 20 years. If you go out and uh, to the right is a missions board. And we... Uh, we support on a regular basis, and we have from the very beginning of our church and through every crisis, through every financial downturn, we have never, ever missed a missionary uh, payment to our missionaries. The commitment we have made, and over the last 30 years, I believe we've given uh, close to a million dollars to missions. That means we have given to missionaries to help them do the work of God and I just want to quickly read some of the, the, the missionaries that we support. Uh, we support a missionary in East, Eastern Europe, an outreach. We support North Point Bible College. We support NISM. We support, uh, team. we support a missionary in Spain, Indonesia, Mozambique, India, one to Native Americans, uh, one in Spain, Ireland, the Caribbean, Italy, uh, Israel, uh, we support people on home missions in, in the United States and around the world because of your faithful giving to God. So I just want to encourage you, the missionaries that we have, the missionaries that we support are doing a work around the world, and what we're doing is we're partnering with them. Our giving is our extension, the ministry, the extension of our church to touch the nations of the world in obedience to the Great Commission. So you give to Victory Church Missions Program, and that in turn touches literally millions of people around the world. So I just want to encourage you to be faithful. I want to thank you for those of you that have given so faithfully over the years. God bless you for your giving. And we're going to hear from a missionary, uh, uh, Dennis, uh, Denny Sellers, and his wife, Deborah, here. They are missionaries to the Caribbean and Latin American countries. They train ministers in higher education to be more effective for the work of God. So would you open up your heart? Give them a great big victory welcome this morning. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. Delight to be with you today. Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Uh, I'm going to say it in four, four words, same word. Shukran. Merci. Gracias. Thank you. That's the most important word myself. Not in terms of the word of God, but in terms of us. 20 years you've invested in our work. You know, back in 1985, we were in Walpole, not the big house, uh, working in one of the churches there. And I could take you to the building, I could take you to the place, I could take you to where the chair was, and I knelt and said, yes, God, Debbie and I will respond to your calling. We will go serve you internationally as missionaries. But here's the reality of it. When that happened at that time, 
When that happened and we, we opted to, to hear the Lord and to respond to the Lord, without you, without this church and so many others, Debbie and I would still be sitting in that same building at that same chair saying, God, we'll go. But you see, you're giving, you're praying makes it possible. You, you are the, the change element in our lives, if you will. That's how important you are. You helped us to transition from having a calling to an effective ministry. And that giving at this point in time in our lives is impacting approximately 40 countries that we touch directly with the students that we we serve. Next Saturday, I'll be on a flight. I have to go to Argentina. I'll be teaching. I'm, as, as Pastor said, Debbie and I are missionary educators and, and uh, I'll be flying to Buenos Aires, Argentina. I'll be there, I'll arrive uh, Saturday, late Saturday night. I fly, I arrive Sunday morning. Monday, I start teaching. And I will teach one class, the same class, for five, uh, six hours for five days. Our students will be there. They're already in session starting tomorrow. They'll already do one, one class th- this week. They'll have me next week, and then they'll have someone else the week after. And in those three weeks' times, they will do nine hours of master's level education. And that's a lot of sitting and listening, and it's also a lot of standing and talking. But let me tell you how it works. My, my forte, my, my background, my academics, uh, my, my life experience is very much very much centered and concentrated on the works of the Holy Spirit and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, most of the classes I teach, in fact, all the classes I teach, deal in that, in that light. Let me tell you about one of my students so you'll kind of grasp what I'm about to say. I have a student who, who he's a presbyter. He oversees 90 churches in Argentina. Out of those 90, he pioneered 45 of them. He started those churches and turned them over to pastors. He built 45 buildings. This man is a man gifted. This man is a man that is, is skilled. He is experienced. And yet as he sits in my classroom, he alongside the other students, by the second day into the classroom, were weeping. My Spanish isn't that bad. They were weeping because they were hungry for God to do it again. They were desirous for a renewal in their own hearts and minds and and ministries, in their families, in their churches, in their movement, and in their country. That God one more time would visit and would bring a supernatural touch of his presence. This week, I'll be sending out an email, and you no doubt will receive that here at the church. Uh, And and that email will be a request for prayer, praying that God will manifest himself in the presence of that classroom. When we're there in teaching, all of a sudden, a spirit of praise will break out in the middle of the classroom. When we're teaching, all of a sudden, a time of prayer will break out praying for one another, praying for a specific need as the spirit begins to touch. 
You see, I'm not there just to teach them about the Holy Spirit. I'm there as a, as a professor to help us all to enter into the dynamics of who he is and what he does. You see, I can't do that without you. The missionaries pastor just referenced, the ministries he just referenced, they can't exist without you. But because of you, they do. And because of you, because of, yeah, give the Lord a, 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 a moment of praise. Because, because of you, you're changing the world. It doesn't seem that, that, it doesn't seem like much to drop some money in a bucket and call it a day. But it's bigger than that. So much larger than that. And Debbie and I count it a great honor to be your representatives to so many countries. Last year, my class was 10 students in Argentina. They represented over 25,000 people that they're ministering to. You were there. You were part of it. Through your prayers and through your giving. Someday we're going to stand before Jesus. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. Do you realize that someone standing beside you might lean over to you and say, Shukran. Merci. Gracias. Thank you. And you may not even be able to understand them and you probably won't even know who they are. But they're going to say to you, you know what? I'm here because what happened was this. I'm from the Middle East and a missionary out of Mexico came to my country and shared the gospel with me. And today I'm a believer. And you see that missionary was in a class where, where, where Denny Seller was part of that class. And as he was part of that class, he was teaching that missionary principles to carry over that impacted my life. And that Denny Seller was there because you folks gave. And they're going to say thank you because I'm no more nor less important than you and none of us are really that important because it's all about him. It's all about him. So again, I just have to say it. Which language do you want? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Pastor, thank you so much for your heart, for what you and your lovely wife and the staff have have meant to Debbie and to me. You've never missed a payment. You've never missed a support month. And sometimes that just sadly isn't true, and I don't mean that in an accusative way or a judgmental way. Things happen. But you've made sure that you've taken care of your missionaries. Thank you. Thank you. I want to take us to a concept this morning as we go into the word. And the concept is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Let's go to the, to the next slide. What is the kingdom of God? Well, Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're familiar with that, those, those passage, that passage. 
how many times we have recited that, how many times have we prayed that as a group or individually. But I want us to think specifically about your kingdom come. What does that mean? Your kingdom come. What does it really mean? Now, if we're going to understand the kingdom, well, we first have to recognize that if there is a kingdom, there is a king. Without a king, there's no kingdom. And that king, as he is king, it is his authority, it is his majesty, it is his royalty, it is his power, it is everything that that king is manifesting itself and ruling over it's his kingdom. Now we can stop there and just think about that for the rest of the day. May your majesty, God, may your royalty, may your authority, may your power rule over my life. Your kingdom come. We are inviting the very person of God himself, Jesus Christ, the Lord of lords, the King of kings, to reign and rule over our lives. But let's look at what the kingdom looks like and how it unpacks. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus is teaching his followers to pray that the kingdom of God, his kingdom, would manifest itself now. Is that possible? The kingdom, can, can it? Can it manifest itself now? A couple things I recognize about the kingdom. First, I recognize, and I don't understand this, I will never understand this, perhaps eternity, God will help me to understand it because I can't grasp it. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, God himself, as he establishes his kingdom, what I don't understand is how can that be rejected? And yet it can be. You see, in terms of what I want us to think about today, I, I want us to think about two interactions with the kingdom of God. The first interaction would be this. There are those who reject the kingdom. They build a fence and say, God, nothing to do with you. God, go away. God, I don't even want to contemplate you. God, I hate you. Whatever their, whatever their phrases are, whatever their verbiage is, they are rejecting. They're building a fence in opposition to the kingdom. They want to keep the kingdom out because they don't want that authority over them. Then there's the other group. That's us. Now, we have a tendency to build a fence to keep the kingdom in. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. As we build the kingdom and we live in the kingdom, as we build that fence to keep the kingdom in, what am I saying? I'm simply saying this. We live for the blessing we live for him to impact our lives. And we should. I'm not condemning it. But I'm saying the kingdom is bigger than that. The kingdom is much larger than that. Why do I say that? With no judgment, no stone throwing, nothing. With a mirror looking back at me. How much time do I spend praying for the needs and the hurts of my community and others as opposed to me and my family. You see, the kingdom authority in us is to work through us to extend itself beyond us. Let's see how it works. 
Go ahead. Let's look at what the Bible says. He says, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's saying the kingdom is right now. It is among you. It's in your midst. The rule, the authority, the power of God is there in you now. We can experience the kingdom. Jesus goes on. The scripture says that he went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. What are marks of the kingdom? People being healed. God's provisionary hand. God working in our lives, freeing us. Much of what we, we experienced this morning as we spent time at the altar, as we worship. The, the sense of God manifesting himself and showing himself mighty and powerful as he provides, restores, renews, releases. Jesus says it this way. But seek ye first the kingdom. Seek first the rule of God in your life. Seek first the authority of God in your life. Seek first the, the control of God in your life. Seek first all that he is and he'll take care of the rest. Right. Amen. It's really that basic. Seek him and he'll take care of the rest. Let's go to the next one. Now we looked at the kingdom as now it's here. But then Jesus turns around and he says this to his disciples. Now remember, he said, the kingdom is in your midst. It's about you. It's, 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 it's right here. Then he turns around and he says, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. It's a kingdom that even though it's here, it's not here. How can something... How can it be here and not be here? Let me illustrate it. It was June 6, 1944. Prior to that, 1939 through to 44, we find Hitler coming to power. And as he came to power, he grew and grew in his power and he, his, his authority and his control. He, he first took over Germany, moved into Poland, moved across Europe, and had sights on the world for total control. June 6, 1944, the Allied forces, they came together. All those military personnel came together. And what was known as the greatest, largest landing of military forces ever in the history of humanity. And on June 6th, those forces landed in Normandy, the north of France. When they landed there, the battle ensued until... May 7th, 1945. May 7th, 1945 is what is known as Victory in Europe Day. It's the day when the war ended. Now, historians, even as it was happening, but, but, but thereafter, and, and, and particularly now, looking back, they simply say this, that when the Allied forces landed in June, the war was won. It just wasn't finished. And those 11 months cost more human lives than any other time of the war. Let me take you to another story. It was AD 33. 
when he landed on that cross and he planted the flag of redemption. And when he did, up to that time, all hell was marching. But at that point, it was totally and completely defeated. Jesus brought total victory. He's coming again, and when he comes again, we will know him in his fullness. We will experience him in his totality. But you see, we won. It just isn't over yet. And we're living in that in-between zone where the kingdom is establishing itself, where the kingdom is manifesting itself, not in its fullness. But I would suggest this, that every day of our lives, we have the privilege of, of experiencing more of the kingdom ruling over us than we did the day before. Our communities have the opportunity to experience the kingdom a little more now than they did yesterday. Let's go to the next slide. What does the kingdom look like? What does this kingdom look like? Scripture helps us to understand. Revelation. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. We know that when we get there, there won't be any more tears. There won't be any sickness. There won't be any death. We know that in that kingdom, all of that is eliminated. We also know in Revelation, it says the 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. What do we know? I know this much. I know if God can, can pave the streets with gold, there probably isn't any poverty in heaven. There's no impoverishment in heaven. There's no too many months at the end of the paycheck in heaven. Isaiah says, no one living in Zion will say I am ill and the sins of those who dwell there will be forgiven. Let me show you how eternity is manifesting itself today. Most of us here, if not all of us here, to enter into the kingdom, how do you do that? Jesus said it this way, repent. Repent. We confess our sin. We recognize the price that he paid on the cross. We, we apply by faith the death and resurrection of Jesus to our lives, and we find forgiveness of sin. <coughs> Excuse me. You realize that when we get to heaven, we will be eternally saved. Yes. You realize that that's then. But we're living it now. We're living it now. Eternity. <coughs> excuse me. Heaven wants to invade present. It is God's future invading our present. It is what eternity is and will be manifesting itself now. Let's go to the next slide. Excuse me for a second. 
It is the restoration of life as it was in the garden with Adam and Eve. You realize how perfect, perfect the garden was? They had no needs. They had no problems until they self-created. God is saying that when we get there, it's going to look like it was there. You know, I was impressed with what we sang today. Why was I impressed with it? We were drawing from history to build our faith. I'm now taking us to the future to build our faith because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we, we look at it, Revelation says, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. The same presence that was in the garden is the same presence. We will be with him in his presence forever. And it's that very same presence that is with us now, impacting us now, shaping us now, ministering to us now. It is God manifesting himself. The kingdom is here. But now, you know, I'm not suggesting that, they, that all of a sudden we're going to have this utopia and with this utopia the, that then Jesus will come. I'm not suggesting that. I'm saying that every day can look a little more like heaven because of his presence in our lives in the body of Christ. Changing the community. To show you what I mean, I, 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 again, no, no stones being thrown. I just ask you to ask yourself this question. We'll take it from the, the, from the broad base, and then we'll bring it to the personal. On the broad base, if this church ceased to exist today, it's gone. Who misses it? And why? And now I bring it to the personal basis. If you disappear today... Who misses you and why? You see, we have the privilege of living in the, in, in the spirit. We have the privilege of living in the all that the kingdom is. And as we live that kingdom life, it is going to naturally be an outflow to impact all those around us. So therefore, if, if the future is invading the present, for me, God help me. Honorable prayer, nothing wrong with it then at the same time, the next time that you see a panhandler or someone on the street who says, can you help me? And you give them a dollar, you've expanded the future into their present. When you lay hands on someone and you pray for them, you are bringing, you are saying, God, may all that heaven will be, all that heaven is, all that eternity implies, God, bring it to bear right now. That's why uh, I, I didn't mention it, but uh, please take a prayer card with you. They're, they're in the foyer. But on the back of it, I have a quote from A.W. Uh, uh, e. Tozer. He says this, true religion confronts earth with heaven and brings eternity to bear upon the time. You and I as believers, we are living in two worlds. We've got one foot in the future and we've got one foot in the present. And we are the, the, the connect point for society to experience what the kingdom of God is, can, and should be. 
how we live, how we serve, how we pray, how we give, how we minister, all of that is about extending the future. Let's go on. You see, the kingdom is not, it's not a place. You're than a place. It's the rule and authority of God in our lives. It's the future invading the presence, the relief of illness, pain, and tears. It's the presence of God among his people, ministering into and through his people. When you go into your job, when you go into your school, when you go into your home, when you go into the store, when you go into whatever, wherever you're going, you realize that you, because of God in you, the future is walking into the present. As that spirit of God rests in us, let's go to the next slide. As we recognize how that all happens, I, I, I point out to you the future invading the present. God says to, to Noah, Noah, build me an ark. There's going to be a flood. It's going to rain. Future. Noah says, okay, I'll build you an ark. Uh, by the way, God, what's rain? Because it hadn't rained up to that time. But the future invaded the present, even though he didn't understand it. Yes. I've got two wonderful granddaughters. When, when our, our older granddaughter, she's a little over four, when she knows that Grigri and Grampy are coming, she can't wait till we get there. <laughs> and she's living our, our arrival before we even left to go. Come on. <laughs> because it's the future invading present. That's the living pattern that you and I have the privilege of living. Let's go on. So how does it happen? Through the anointing of the Spirit. It's the anointing of the Spirit. It is the empowerment of the believer to live some of the future today. The gifts of the Spirit. They are the supernatural workings of God manifesting themselves today. You realize that as we gather here and we pray for one another, that, that God can use us to pray prophetically. God can use us to pray with a, a supernatural unction that we don't even understand. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge that we don't even, we, we, we don't even know what's going on. But the person hearing us praying are like, how did you know that? And you don't even know that you knew that. Because it is the manifestation of the presence of God working in us and through us in this moment yes. to impact. Let's go to the next one and we'll see what I mean more clearly. We see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus, the scripture says, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. What does that mean? It means the presence of God. You see, we know that, that Jesus was the son of God. We know that he was God incarnate. But we also know that he never cheated. Now, what's that mean? It means that when Jesus ministered, he did not, when he, when he rejected the, the devil's temptation, when he touched people for healing, he did not reach into his bag of divinity and say, just a minute, I'll be back. Uh, 
It wasn't the throw off the shirt and there's Superman. He didn't do that. He ministered as a human under the anointing of the Spirit. It was the presence of the Spirit in his life. Now, if that's true of Jesus, then what about us? He wants to do the same thing. The Spirit wants to manifest himself, to work through us. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and I am anointed. Is that you? If you're a believer filled with the Spirit, you too have the same privilege of stating the very same thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm anointed. See, it's not just whoever happens to be up here. It's us. It's the body of believers anointed by the power of the Spirit has the opportunity to experience the Spirit flowing in, in and through our lives to where we lay up hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Because of us? No, but because of the anointing that flows through us. Jesus goes on, he says, he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Do you realize that you are anointed to communicate the good news to the poor? Now, who are the poor? It's your neighbor that doesn't have enough food on their table. When you take a meal. It's your coworker who is so lost in their sin that they are spiritually bereft and poor and need a new life. See, it carries the tangible and the intangible in its context. But we are anointed to minister, to touch, to be the extension of eternity in the present. To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, you, you recognize that, that Jesus says that was all in him, so it was in him for us. I mean, for us in our circumstances, our situations, our needs, that same anointing that I'm talking about to reach out and touch the world is the same anointing where Jesus reaches out and touches us and works in us and provides for us and heals us and restores us and gives us provision. See, it's a, it's a dual track. It's a dual track. We have to be careful that we don't build that fence and it's just a singular track. Hallelujah. And uh, that's hallelujah. No, no, we don't live there. We can't live there. We can't live there. In fact, I've been taking it a step further. Do you know why we need to share our faith? And my people need to be saved. It's greater than because they're lost. It's because every unsaved person is not giving glory and honor to God. But when they become saved, they find their place 
in the community of believers, and God is glorified and honored. See, it's about his glory. Right now, God is being robbed of his glory by those who have not repented. You and I have the privilege of bringing them into a newness of God, a presence of God. Let's go to the last slide. You and I live the future today. Debbie and I attend a church when we're not traveling in Missouri, where we live. And there is a manifestation of the presence of God that's just almost unbelievable. I was telling pastor before service, this church has a prayer meeting. And that prayer meeting, Wednesday night prayer meeting, the church seats 4,000 and you can't find a seat. The other campuses, you can't find a seat. Why? Because people are coming hungry. It's been going on for 25 years now. People are hungry for God, and they're coming in with an anticipation, wonder what God's going to do tonight. Let me tell you what God's doing. There was an elderly couple that had driven into town to just attend the church on a Wednesday night. She was dealing with some dementia, and they, the, the, the pastor said, okay, they're back there over there, seated in the back, and, and when the time came for prayer, they stood and they had probably 50 people around them. At the same time, someone over here, uh, there was a word of knowledge that someone over here, would you stand? And as that word of knowledge was given, three or four people stood with that many people you can imagine. The pastor would say, okay, I want you to gather around and I want you to pray. It's not a prayer line. It's not a pastor praying. It's the body of Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. So what's happening? We have a young teenage boy who had surgery. He had a metal plate in his head that no longer exists. There's another young man in the youth group. He had had problems, I don't know if it was surgical or birth or whatever, but this whole part of his, uh, the muscle, there wasn't any. And his friend said to him, can I pray for you? This is the youth group. And he says, sure. So he begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, he's he's got his hand here praying. And so he decides he's going to reach over here and feel this leg to make sure, to to, to know what the leg should look like if it's normal so they can figure out what's going with this leg, right? Well, he puts his hand over and he's still praying. He puts his hand back and it feels the same. You see, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. I could stand here for the next hour and tell you of what is happening. But it is that same expectancy that I'm seeing when I enter into the classroom with these students. It's the same expectancy that we can have as we come into a service such as this, saying, you know what? I can't wait to see what God's going to do. And watching people walk out healed. Watching people walk out with, with their provisions met. 
watching people whose family has, um, is a mess coming together because of the anointing of the Spirit. You see, we get to live the future today. We get to anticipate, oh, that's what heaven's like? Wow, my life can be like that. If not exactly, it can get closer. I know that we've already prayed this morning, and I know that we've already asked God. But one of the cool things about our pastor, he will say, after we prayed, he'll say, now, does anyone sense that God perhaps has touched you tonight? Maybe 80%, maybe there's something you couldn't do that you, because of pain or you just couldn't do it and now you're kind of getting there a little bit. And people will raise their hand and they'll say, terrific. He says, folks, let's pray again. It's the whole Jesus thing, you know. I, I see men as trees walking. He didn't quit. He said, okay. What we want you to see is men, men as men. And he prayed for them. So here's what I'd like to do this morning. I'd like to take a moment and ask you, do you need God to invade your present with his future? Whatever that looks like. You might say, Danny, I've got physical issues, health issues. You might say, I have financial issues. You might say, I have family issues. Now, we're going to be a little bit different today. Today, I've asked permission of, uh, from Pastor to allow me the freedom, and he graciously said, please go ahead. But here's what I want you to do. If you need God to invade your future or your present with his future, I just want you, if you can, to stand to your feet. If you can't, just raise your hand. If you need God to intervene in a very significant way in your life right now, just stand to your feet. Okay? Now, I'm not surprised to see the reaction that's, that's happening here. Uh, I'm, I, Debbie and I, as we're traveling, we're, we're seeing the same kind of a reaction in almost every, every church that we're in because we're needy people. And I don't mean that in a facetious way. We are. But here's what I'd like to do. I know that you pray, and I know that you know how to pray. So what I'd like you to do, you might have to step out into the aisle, you might have to come up here, whatever, but I'm going to ask that you would form into groups of three, four, no more. Groups of three or four in a circle. When we do that, then what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you one person. We don't want your medical history. We don't want your bank account information. All we want is, I've got a financial need. Listen, I've got a pain, I can't, I can't bend. I just, I, I, I just need God to touch my, whatever it is, just brevity. Because what you're gonna do is you're gonna take about a minute and you're gonna pray together for that one need as a body, as a small part of the body. Then when you're done with the one, then I wanna ask you if you would be so kind, the next person, you say, here's my need. And I want you to pray. Uh, Pastor, I'm going to ask you if you'll join me, uh, uh, Lisa, if you would. Uh, I know Debbie will. Uh, if you will just kind of float. Just float and encourage. Just encourage. Uh, uh, once you're done with your, your need, I know that you have needs. So form your circle, pray, and then afterward, if you'll just float. 
Am, am I connecting here? Does it make sense what I'm asking? Then let's do it. Go ahead. Just begin to move. Now, as you do that, I want you to pray. No brain prayers here. What I mean by that is this. Don't pray in your brain. Pray in an out loud voice. Because when people hear your voice praying for their need, it builds faith. So remember, small groups, small groups, two or three, only two or three, maybe four. Okay? Now, if you're here and you're good and you want to join a prayer group to pray for somebody, feel free to do that. If, if, if life is good and, and, and you're not standing because I need something, then just join in the group and begin to pray for the others. Let your faith join with their group. Their, their, their group. Okay? Jesus, in your name. We're asking, God, would you invade the present circumstances of those represented here right now? God, would you release an outpouring, an anointing of your spirit where healing is needed? Heal. God, where provision is needed, provide. Where emotional support is needed, God, realign. Jesus, pour out your spirit. Release your spirit in a supernatural way. Jesus, in a supernatural way, touch, minister healing, minister resurrection, restoration, renewal. Jesus, whatever the needs might be, you're more than able. You're more than able. You're more than able. Jesus, in your name, your future, invading our present. Everything that heaven is touching us here on earth. Your kingdom come in our circumstances. Your authority, your power, your majesty, your glory, your healing power, your restorative power. Jesus, in your name, in your name, we pray. Hallelujah. By no means am I trying to rush you, but you should be moving into another person pretty soon. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. And as you finish praying in your little group, if you want to move into another group just to kind of pray with them, feel free to do that. Just feel free to do that. Hallelujah. Jesus, in your name. In your name. Jesus, you're hearing the hearts cry. You're hearing the hearts cry. God, you know the need right here. God, I pray that you will touch in a supernatural way. Jesus, pour out your spirit in a supernatural way. Do amazing things in a supernatural way. Jesus, your anointing, your power, your touch. Jesus, we thank you that you, you hear us, that you respond. Thank you that you minister. 
Thank you, God, that we can trust you to invade our present with your future. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we ask you to put the enemy to flight. Father, where the enemy is, is setting up and trying to take over, we're pushing back in your name. We're asking you to break the holds of the enemy. We're asking you to release of your spirit. We're asking you, oh God, to accomplish incredible things. Jesus, in your name. Jesus, in your name. Release, oh God. Release. Freedom. Freedom to the captive. God, freedom to the captive. The holds that the enemy would have, be they physical or spiritual or emotional. God, break those holds, we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, in your name. Hallelujah. 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 Many of you are wrapping out, so I'm just going to ask, and those of you to pray, just keep praying. But maybe you're here today and you'd say, Denny, I came and I, I, I had a pain or I had a problem that I, there, there was something I couldn't do. If that's you here this morning, maybe God has touched you today. You just kind of wave your hand at me and say, I sense that God did something. The other night as we prayed, a, 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 a woman that had uh, sciatic nerves, God touched her and and. She was almost done, and we prayed, and God just took the pain completely away. So maybe you're here, and, and that would be you of some sort. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, in your name. Jesus in your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just before I turn the service back over to the pastor, I want to give you one, one more thought. You might say here, you know, we prayed this morning at the beginning of the service, we prayed this, the, later in the morning and almost afternoon, and God hasn't healed me. God hasn't, don't say that. Rather say this, God hasn't healed me yet. See, that's a statement of faith. The other is a statement of, of defeat and loss. And that's not where we live. I'm not talking about head, uh, mind over matter. I'm talking about faith over everything. God hasn't yet. We have seen people go home and God touched them on the way home. Touch them at home. Touch them the next day. Can we trust him to do that? The future invading the present.